This week on Hometown Ghost Stories. Port Townsend, Washington is a town steeped in history, and its haunted locations add an extra layer of intrigue to this picturesque coastal community. From the Manresa Castle to the Palace Hotel, this unique historic town offers a rich tapestry of paranormal experiences. Join us as we explore the terrifying yet captivating history of Port Townsend. Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Palace Hotel, Port Townsend, Washington. I checked in at the front desk and headed over to ascend the staircase to my room. At the top of the stairs, there was a large portrait of a woman in a blue dress looking at a vase with a purple flower. There was nothing unusual about the painting, but for some reason, I felt like there was something off about it. I approached my room, room number seven, Miss Alice's room. It was a formidable room with a 14-foot ceiling and a king-sized bed. The washroom had a clawfoot bathtub that looked like it was something out of the 1920s. I tossed my luggage on the bed and checked my watch. 6.15 p.m., I had just enough time to make my 6.30 dinner reservation across the street. I quickly changed my clothes, grabbed my keys, and headed out the door. I headed for the stairs, and again, as I passed that painting of the woman in the blue dress, I was overcome with a feeling I couldn't explain. I brushed it off and descended the stairs to the lobby. I made it just in time for my dinner reservation, and was seated by a window that had a view of the hotel. I only note this because of what I thought I saw during dinner. My entree had just arrived when something caught my eye. It was in one of the third-story windows of the hotel. I swore I saw a woman in a blue dress walk right by the window. Normally, I wouldn't have thought anything of it, except she looked just like the woman from the painting. I shook it off, assuming I was just freaked out by the strange feeling I got from the portrait earlier. I finished dinner, tipped the server, and headed back to the hotel. It was dark out now and the air was wet with a misty drizzle. I hurried across the street into the hotel lobby. I headed to the stairway and began my ascent. Rubbing my hands together in an attempt to regain the feeling that was lost to the cold, I noticed the pungent aroma of a woman's perfume waft by me as if I had been passed by somebody heading in the opposite direction. I turned my head, but nobody was there. As I turned back to focus my attention to the direction I was walking, I felt the blood drain from my face as a pang of shock jolted through my body. The painting at the top of the stairs hung in its usual spot, but the woman in the blue dress had vanished from it. Just the purple flower in the vase, no woman in a blue dress. The smell of the perfume was stronger now, but I couldn't see any source for its presence. I followed my nose down the hall toward where it seemed to be coming from. It led me to the third floor to a window, and then it dissipated. I looked out the window and saw the restaurant I had just left and realized this was the window I saw the woman walk past during my meal. I turned and headed back towards the staircase. That same inexplicable feeling came over me as I reached the portrait. The woman in the blue dress had returned to her normal position by the flower, except she wasn't looking at it. She was looking directly at me. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Port Townsend, Washington. The bay originally named Port Townsend by Captain George Vancouver in 1792 was recognized as a promising safe harbor despite challenging winds and anchorage issues. The city's official settlement began in 1851 and it gained the nickname City of Dreams due to its expectations of becoming a major west coast harbor. The late 19th century saw significant growth with ornate Victorian architecture, the establishment of the Port Townsend Police Department in 1888, and the development of railroads. However, the economic downturn and failed railroad connections led to a decline in the late 1890s. The town's economy revived in the 1920s with the construction of a paper mill. Today, Port Townsend hosts various cultural events and festivals, attracting new residents and tourists. 
Many tourists are drawn to the town, not for traditional reasons, however. They're drawn for the simple fact that they believe the town is haunted. And many believe it's one of the most haunted places on Earth. Manresa Castle, situated in Port Townsend, Washington, has a rich history dating back to its construction in 1892, when it was established as the home of Charles Eisenbeis and his wife Kate. Mr. Eisenbeis was a notable figure in the local business community, involved in various ventures such as a bank, hotel, brewery, bakery, lumberworks, and brickworks. Notably, he also served as the town's inaugural mayor. At that time, Manresa Castle stood as the largest residence in Port Townsend, boasting an impressive 30 rooms and earning the moniker of the Eisenbeis Castle. The castle's opulence was further accentuated by its exquisite woodwork and tiled fireplaces crafted by skilled German artisans. Tragically, after Charles Eisenbeis passed away in 1902, Kate remarried and the grand house fell into disuse, eventually becoming abandoned. In 1925, the property changed hands when it was acquired by an attorney who initially intended to transform it into a Vatican retreat for nuns dedicated to educating students in Seattle. However, this venture did not unfold as planned, leading to a shift in the castle's purpose. Subsequently, it was repurposed into training institutions for Jesuits, marking a significant transformation in its history. It wasn't until 1968 that the castle underwent a remarkable metamorphosis, emerging as a hotel and adopting the name it's now known by, the Manresa Castle. This change marked a turning point in the castle's evolution as it transitioned into its present role as a place of accommodation and hospitality. Manresa Castle harbors chilling accounts of paranormal activity that have left even the bravest souls trembling. Rooms 302, 304, and 306 have earned a sinister reputation, believed to be frequented by two lingering spirits. The first, a Jesuit priest in training, who stayed in room 302, was called out for having unsupervised visits with a nun residing in town. In clear violation of his sacred vows, he was scorned, punished, and threatened with expulsion. Overwhelmed with shame, he retreated to the attic, where he hung himself from the rafters that support the turret right above room 302. His spirit still roams around in agony. Guests report hearing disembodied footsteps in the attic, a relentless reminder of his tragic fate. The second ghost is the spirit of a lady named Kate, who stayed at the castle in 1921 to wait for her fiancé to return from sea. While waiting, she received word that his ship sank, and it was believed that all who were aboard drowned. In a fit of agony, she flung herself from the window of room 306, unable to bear the pain of her loss. However, it was learned afterward that he had actually survived and had been picked up by a passing boat. Kate's apparition has been seen wandering the halls of Manresa Castle, near the room in the tower where she spent her final moments. Within the castle's cafe, a former chapel, the sinister presence is palpable. Glasses of drinks have been known to shatter violently, sometimes even in the trembling hands of servers, turning an ordinary dining experience into a terrifying encounter. Inexplicably, empty glasses have been observed to overturn on their own, casting an eerie shadow over patrons and staff alike, as if the spirits within seek to make their malevolent presence known. The building is also believed to be haunted by the ghost of a child, Guests report hearing the sound of giggling echoing through the empty halls. One caretaker even recalls hearing the laughter despite being alone in the building at night. There is speculation about the origin of this particular haunting because there is no report of the death of a child on the premises. This doesn't mean a death didn't occur, but there was a mysterious discovery in 2006. A visitor to Laurel Grove Cemetery in Port Townsend noticed something odd. The tomb of Charles Eisenbeis was cracked open. The stone that sat atop the tomb had fallen in, exposing the tomb's interior, and inside was something unexpected. Charles Eisenbeis was buried in the tomb next to his first wife Elizabeth in 1902, in front of pretty much the whole town. After his body was laid to rest, the tomb was sealed. When the tomb was disturbed in 2006, the family showed up to investigate. They found that when the stone fell in, it flipped Elizabeth's coffin. What was unexpected was the discovery of a small child's coffin that was sitting on top of Charles' coffin. 
the child's coffin, was one that had absolutely not been there when Charles was buried and the tomb was sealed. To this day, nobody knows who the child is, where the coffin came from, or how it got into the sealed tomb. But people speculate, whoever it is, may be haunting Manresa Castle. The Rothschild House, an historic landmark, has held its place on the National Registry of Historic Places since 1970 and is a proud component of the esteemed Port Townsend Historic District, which achieved National Historic Landmark status in 1977. But the story begins well before these distinctions, as it was once the cherished residence of David Charles Henley Rothschild, otherwise known as the Baron. Prior to finding his roots in Port Townsend in 1858, D.C.H. Rothschild embarked on extensive world travels before establishing the Rothschild and Company Mercantile. Initially, residing above the Mercantile store, the Rothschild family eventually made this house their home, with no other occupants ever gracing its halls. Eugene, the last surviving family member, generously donated the house to the Washington State Parks and Recreation Commission, and in 1962, it opened its doors to the public as a museum and historic site. Local legends add an intriguing twist to this historic tale, suggesting that some Rothschild family members may have lingered beyond their mortal lives, harboring discontent with uninvited guests in their home. Reports of paranormal activity spanning decades include unexplained slamming doors, inexplicable cold spots, and the mysterious presence of a shadowy figure that frequents various rooms. There's a possibility that this enigmatic figure may be the spirit of DCH Rothschild himself, who tragically succumbed to mental health struggles and took his own life in 1886, subsequently leaving the family business in the hands of his two sons. Nestled within the heart of historic Port Townsend, where Water Street showcases its stately Victorian architecture, one particular structure stands out with its captivating history, the Palace Hotel. Erected in 1889 under the stewardship of retired sea captain Henry L. Tibbles, this iconic building has witnessed the passage of time and hosted a diverse array of businesses, ranging from a bustling billiard parlor and a popular saloon to the publication of a local newspaper. However, the most renowned chapter of its history unfolded from 1925 to 1933, where it bore the name Palace Hotel and earned the effective moniker Palace of Sweets. During this era, it operated as both a hotel and a brothel. Its madam was Marie, who had a corner suite on the second floor, which included a fireplace that was the only one in the building. In 1935, an attempt was made by authorities to shutter the Palace of Sweets through a police raid. However, according to a secretary whose office was located at the end of the second floor hallway, the brothel remained operational until at least 1940 or 1941 when World War II commenced. Even as late as 1940, the secretary witnessed groups of young women waiting in their bathrobes every day at noon to access the second floor bathroom, implying that the brothel may have persisted in a more underground manner. Today, the Palace Hotel pays tribute to its colorful past, inviting visitors to take a nostalgic step back in time. The lobby is adorned with furnishings reminiscent from the turn of the 20th century, and the entire establishment has been meticulously renovated to reflect the ambience of the Victorian era. Even the 16 rooms, named in honor of the women who once worked there, embody the essence of their era and world. Legend has it that some of these ladies may have never truly departed after the brothel closed its doors in the mid-1930s. The palace hosts a handful of permanent nocturnal guests who occasionally mingle with the living. If you ever sense a cool breeze or feel an unexpected flick of your hair, don't worry. These are believed to be harmless encounters. One of the most famous hauntings is that of the Lady in Blue, whose portrait graces the top of the staircase. Her name, Claire, is etched into the hotel's history, having once occupied room number four during the hotel's former life as a brothel. Guests who have spent the night in this room claim that she lingers there still, but she is just one of potentially ten spirits said to call the hotel home. The hotel keeps a scrapbook filled with the haunting accounts witnessed by previous guests, and the many accounts over the years paint an evolutionary picture of Miss Clare. Her ghost seems now less like an apparition and more like an earthly shape. Once a young lady of the brothel, Claire is now destined to wander the hotel's hall in her afterlife, endlessly searching for her one true love who abandoned her, never to return. 
Guests have reported hearing mournful cries emanating from room number four, often accompanied by the lingering sweet scent of her perfume. On one occasion, a guest left for dinner, only to return several hours later to find Miss Claire inexplicably absent from her portrait at the top of the stairs. The frame in the painting remained in their place, but it seemed that Miss Claire had vanished from it, her poignant perfume lingering in the air. The ghost of Father Patrick haunts the basement, along with the souls of the innocent lives buried down there. During the Prohibition era, when the hotel simultaneously operated as a brothel, Father Patrick was asked to perform the last rites for the sex workers' many babies who died during childbirth and were buried in the basement. Father Patrick broke his vows and had slept with one of the sex workers whom he had fell in love with, saw his child born dead in the basement, and performed the last rites for the child, but felt he wasn't worthy to do so for this little soul or for any other babies who died after. Not only did he suffer from guilt, he also mourned the sex worker who he had loved, but she was unable to love him back, and for those reasons, it's believed that his soul haunts the basement of the Palace Hotel. People claim to experience the inexplicable feeling of guilt and sorrow while down there. Port Townsend, Washington is a town steeped in history, and its haunted locations add an extra layer of intrigue to this picturesque coastal community. From the shadow figures and the strange occurrences at the Rothschild House, to the ghostly tales within the walls of Manresa Castle, and the haunting stories at the Palace Hotel, the town offers a rich tapestry of paranormal experiences. These haunted sites not only serve as a reminder of the past, but also as a testament to the enduring allure of Port Townsend. Whether you're a believer in the supernatural or simply captivated by the mysteries of history, the ghosts that linger in these locations contribute to the unique charm of this coastal town, inviting visitors to explore its haunted past and make their own connections with the spirits of the dead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 102, Washington State, Port Townsend, talking about a few of the many, many haunted locations in this town. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. I have a surprise for everybody. Oh, we love that. Everybody thought that spooky season was over after Halloween. Spoiler alert, spooky season is never over because we're here every Tuesday Every Wednesday on podcast feeds, every Friday for side content. We do stuff on other days. I don't know when we stop, actually. We just don't. It is just always spooky season. Now you can introduce Dave, and he'll probably just say, hello, and that'll be it from him. What's going on, Dave? Hello. Yeah. See? <laughs> That's Figured. it Dave. Knew it. Right. Yeah. Washington State, Port Townsend. There's so many haunted places in this. Is it a town or a city? It's a, port. it's a town. It's a village town. It's a port. It's a port. It's a town's end as well. Town's so end. Town's right. right at the end of the town. <laughs> yeah. So this actually plays a part in a lot of the history and a lot of the stories and a lot of the ghost stories is the layout of the city. So towards the water, this was where a lot of the poor folks lived. And then as you got away from the water, that was kind of where the rich people lived. So where the rich people lived, this was, you know, traditionally less crime and, and violence going on there. But as you get closer to the water, you get more and more violent crimes because this was kind of the wild west type, uh, you know, saloons and brothels and, and criminals are all hanging out here. And this is where a lot of the violence happens. So this is probably why as you get closer to the water, the the town seems to get more and more haunted yeah so the town is was or at least back in like the early uh 1900s late 1800s the town was pretty segregated uh with regard to class so you had like you said the upper class further away but all of the fun stuff like the brothels and the really good taverns were in the poor section so you did have some intermingling of the classes during that time period but like you said a lot of the hauntings are closer to the port and uh, this, so this up, this episode, I looked into Port Townsend thanks to Megan, who sent in a listener submitted ghost story that we covered. Was that last week? 
Monday. I don't know. It's all a blur at this point. You, you know, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just told you we do spooky things every day. So who knows know. what day it was. Yeah, that was the just... Monday episode because it was the day before <laughs> Halloween where we're like, oh, yeah, well, we got to have, you know, people are going to be busy on Halloween. But no, that didn't stop us. We went live on Halloween as well. Exactly. <laughs> Never going to stop. So as I was saying, Megan sent this in along with the ghost story that she submitted that we read. She also sent in like three different haunted towns in the Washington uh, in the state of Washington. So I was like, I'll pick one of these, see if they have anything good. And this town has a ton of haunted locations. So many, I picked three that I thought were particularly intriguing, but there are a ton more. And I do have another ghost story that I do want to share. We can do it at the end, I guess, or we could start with it. Whatever you guys want to do. I think this is, this is your, this is your ship to stare. This is a Dave episode. Right. This is Dave curates this episode. He lets us know what we're starting with, what we're ending with, and we're just along for the ride. He narrates it beautifully, gives us ghosts with googly eyes, and you know, we're, just, we're ready to rock. <laughs> and it's because we don't want to do any work, Dave. So you figure it out. All, All right. right. We're, not do- oh, we're not doing work here. <laughs> I, didn't get, I didn't get that email this week. <laughs> All right. Well, let's steer, let's steer this Dave ship right into the Port Townsend Harbor. And let's talk about this other ghost story that uh, I didn't mention in the opening. And I I found it particularly interesting. And I think the ghost is actually the least interesting part of this story. So this takes place in the early 1900s. There was a a business owner in town. Just real quick, because I know how much you love to be cut off. Did you just say the ghost is the least interesting part of this story? Yeah. You understand we're called hometown ghost well, stories. At first, right? it is a ghost story. At first, I was like, "Well, that sucks because we're hometown <laughs> ghost stories." But on the, on the other hand, I'm fucking in, and I'm like, "Well, this must be an absolute banger if the ghost is the least interesting part of the story." So let's All right, continue. Right. So uh, early 1900s, there's a business owner in town, and he owned a furniture store and a boarding house downtown for young sailors. He was pretty well liked around town, but uh, his one his one flaw was that he was really bad at running businesses. Uh, his books were a disaster. So what he decided to do was he sent his daughter across the country to the East Coast to learn business and accounting. So she goes to school there and she comes back a few years later with all of her fancy new knowledge. And he sends her downtown to work managing his furniture store and his boarding house. So one day, a young sailor named Brian sailed into the port and he was supposed to sign off on a shipment of furniture that was going to Alaska. So he goes to the furniture store and he sees Abigail and it was love at first sight. He immediately quit his job so that he wouldn't have to go to Alaska and he could hang around Port Townsend and he took up residence in Abigail's boarding house. So he spent several months trying to get her to agree to go on a date with him and finally she agrees. But they had to keep it private because it was absolutely unheard of for an upper class woman to be seen dating a low class sailor. I will say before you continue that that is like really putting all your eggs in one basket and really put out a gamble. It's like I'm quitting my job and I'm moving in and I hope she likes me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was oh, he was his job was a sailor, which was a super low class job back then. You know, there were like a dime a dozen in a port town, right? They were like, they were like so the it wasn't a... of that day, Dave. <laughs> I know. I'm not trying to piss off a whole other trade now. Um, so he, <clears throat> so they had to keep it on the down low, but people did start to notice. And one night, Abigail's father was in a bar, and some people started making snide remarks about his daughter being seen around town with a lowly sailor, and her father was having none of it. He left the tavern and he stormed up to the hillside where they had been spotted and he saw them sitting on a bench holding hands. So he confronted them and he sent Abigail home. And then he and Brian get into a heated exchange that ended up getting physical. So after a few minutes of these two just duking it out, they realized that they were pretty evenly matched and they weren't going to resolve anything in a fist fight. So they do what any rational person would do and they decide to duel with pistols. It was a pretty normal thing back at that time for people to do that. It was the Wild West. Would have so, been if they knew you, how to shoot. What's that? Would have been if they knew how to shoot. Oh, you know the story? Yeah, we'll get there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so fortunately for both these guys, they were both a terrible shot. And um, unfortunately for everyone, <laughs> Abigail actually didn't go home. She stayed nearby watching, and one of the bullets missed its target, struck her in the throat, killing her. So long story short, problem fucking solved, right? I was just going to say, <laughs> we we resolved the issue. Yeah, no more dating the sailor. 
So the her ghost is reported to be seen roaming that hillside. They say they see the ghost of a woman in a white dress, and they believe that that was actually the ghost of Abigail. But there's a weird detail about this story. Nobody was found guilty when this went to court. And that's not uncommon back then. It was the Wild West, and there were duels all the time. And if two people consent to a duel, and you're dumb enough to stand around and watch them do it, you might catch a stray bullet. So nobody ended up going to jail for this. But after the trial, Brian moved in with Abigail's father and lived in the house with him from then on out. Oh, my God. They were secretly dating. <laughs> that was what I first thought. <laughs> but I, I think the speculation is that it must have been the father's bullet that caught Abigail. And um, I guess as like a black in a blackmail situation, like Brian must have known. And so he took advantage and said, I am a broke ass sailor and I want to live in your rich guy house. So you have to let me live there indefinitely or I will spill the beans. That's a, that's a weird way to, uh, to get over your grudge with each other. Yeah. Move in together. Yeah. It's a weird story. I am so confused with the end of that story. Uh, ghost. There's a ghost involved. Yep. I mentioned the ghost, the ghost yeah. of, uh, there's a ghost of a woman in white who roams that hillside where Abigail got shot and they believe oh, that, yeah. that is her ghost. I've heard that her ghost now, maybe the hillside, it is like in between the rich and poor area. You know, that, that was the dispute was between the rich side and the poor side. And that's where she haunts is right in the middle, like in the, the transition between the two, which is kind of her story anyways. And this is why the whole feud started was because she couldn't pick a side or she wanted to go to the other side. So that's a, it's good haunting. And Hey, we have a woman in white, check that off your bingo card. I just muted myself in the middle of my sentence. That's yeah, it's ideal. <laughs> a bold, a bold strategy. Probably also on the bingo card, so check that so off. So edgy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first major location that we decided to cover here was the Manresa Castle, and there's some interesting history here. It went through a couple of different transition phases. It was a school for nuns, which didn't really work out, and then it was a hangout spot for Jesuit priests and training. And that didn't really work out either. The Jesuit priests actually transformed the building from the original brick stu structure and they stuccoed over it, which is unfortunate. Kind of, kind of gave it like a more of a boring modern look than a cool old castle. Mm -hmm. But uh, there are several hauntings here. And the first one that we covered was the ghost of the lady named Kate. And she was the one who was waiting for her fiance she thought that she she thought that he died at sea because she got word that his ship sunk. So she flung herself from the window and it turned out that he was actually fine, which that's a story that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. It's also a story that happens in every single haunted location. Like I know we cover a lot of these, so we see a lot more of these, but it's almost like a like a horror trope where it's like you have the woman who found out that her husband died, so she leapt from the balcony or leapt from the window. It's it's in so many haunted locations. I'd like to see if there's, if, is this a legend or is there actually like documentation on, on this happening? Uh, there's a documentation that she existed and she did fling herself from the window, but there's speculation on why. So that was the first possible reason. The second possible reason was because it was such a long time to wait for him to come home from sea. She became lonely and got tired of waiting she went out to have a good time and inadvertently became pregnant. So while she was very upset when she heard that her fiance's ship had sunk and she mourned for weeks, she panicked when she learned that he had actually been saved from the sea by a passing boat, probably at the same time that she realized that she was with child. So too ashamed to face him, she jumped out of the window, killing herself uh, in front of the castle. So that's the alternate ending. Uh, so the second haunting that goes on there is the Jesuit priest. So he's the one who was obviously there when the Jesuit priests were, were had their training facility there. And while he was in training, he ended up developing a relationship with a nun. So that's a no-no for both parties. So while there's no record of a Jesuit student hanging himself in the attic, this is an event that if happened would probably be kept quiet because this would be a terrible black eye on the Jesuit college there. So it's possible that it did happen even though there's no record of it. But this one I think is more of a legend than, than a documented historical fact. 
Right. And then, I mean, you do see it. You do see it pretty often. This was this was something that happened. I think we covered it in the Borley Rectory as well, which this one was also supposed to be a legend, kind of the same story. But this one, the Borley Rectory, one ended in a much more brutal fashion, where they like bricked them up inside of the walls for for breaking their vows. Sorry, there's there was a request for dog face, and this is what you get. Isn't she beautiful? <laughs> she is beautiful. <laughs> Love it. So. While there's no record of the Jesuit student hanging himself in the attic, there is a recorded story of another suicide connected to the original Eisenbeis family, the Eisenbeis family being the family that actually built the castle. So Charles Eisenbeis's son, Charles Jr., killed himself in the basement of the Baker Building in Port Townsend on September 29th, 1897. People speculate that it may have been because of his failing business, but he was a person who had spent a lot of time in the castle. And as we've said before on different circumstances just because a person doesn't die in that location doesn't mean they can't haunt it if they spent a lot of time in that location um you could leave a lot of residual energy behind and if he was a sad depressed person who ended up hanging himself maybe that hanging ghost is actually charles and not the jesuit priest and this was supposed to be in like the the top floor right like the attic Mm -hmm. where he hanged himself Right. So the, one of the hauntings that goes on here now is people who stay on the third floor, which I believe is right below the top, mm-hmm. specifically in like rooms like 302, 306. I, I think it's down that end of the of the uh, hallway, but they will hear footsteps above them as if someone's walking around, but there aren't people up there. So that's one of the many hauntings that happen in that area of the hotel. And those rooms specifically are supposed to be extremely haunted. I've seen quite a few pieces of evidence come out of those. I've seen some really strange responses on Ouija boards. You never know with YouTube videos, whether or not they're completely faking Ouija board sessions. But if we're taking it at face value, Uh, There's been names that have popped up. There's been responses that have been downright creepy. And obviously, anytime you hear that, that those footsteps above you, it's definitely uh, could be something. And some of the the audio that I've heard from this, it doesn't just sound like bangs or knocks. It It definitely sounds like the sound of somebody like almost shuffling around, like not like big, hard footsteps, but it sounds like they're kind of just shuffling their feet along. Are you saying they're shuffling like slowly dragging themselves or are they doing the shuffle like, every day i'm shuffling dance one or the other you know yeah. I, I wouldn't rule anything out we don't make the rules we heard that that's what ghosts like to do that's their favorite song yeah we do yeah um pops brings up that it could be rodents i the, from the audio that i've heard I, it doesn't sound like rodents at all it absolutely sounds like somebody walking but either they're kind of like dragging their feet as they walk or whatever. It's just not your traditional like boom, boom, boom of footsteps. It sounds almost, in, in my opinion, it sounds like somebody kind of like shuffling around. I think it's an interesting detail because when you hear about the more traditional disembodied footsteps, a lot of people will debunk that or try to debunk that as uh, floorboards popping, like a nail in the floorboards popping. Really old floorboards were held with cut nails. So when you have temperature changes, the wood will expand and contract and those cut nails will make like a pop sound. So that can be mistaken as a footstep. But if you're hearing a shuffling sound, like feet shuffling really quickly across the floor, that's a lot more distinct. And I think it's a lot harder to explain away with some sort of temperature change in a board popping. Mm. Absolutely. And you're, you're right about that. We got that a lot. And then, Sorry, I keep getting thrown off here. All of a sudden, Amby Rose dropping nineteen ninety nine in super chat. It's been a hell of a day for donations. Thank you guys so much for keeping us motivated after spooky season. Mm. I'm not gonna lie to you, we're pretty drained. <laughs> pretty drained after spooky season, but don't let them know. Don't let them know our weakness that we're tired. Oh they God, we're tired. We, we just need more money. <laughs> if only we had more money. <laughs> no, but. I can't thank you guys enough. Again, we wouldn't be doing this without you guys and these other reasons. Thank you so much. True, true. So yeah, after all the uh, the bonus episodes and all the live events of last month, finally October's over. And I'm like, ah, oh, we finally get a breather. Like, We're so up? awake. We're so ready for this show. And every show next? coming up. Fuck, I'm up next. <laughs> it, was, it was a brutal realization. <laughs> no days off. No days off. So the the last ghost of this location that uh, we covered was the little giggling ghost child, which people, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, it's a creepy one. I, I know I, I was listening to a podcast 
it was Haunted Roads with Amy Bruni, and she was talking about this location. It was one of the first locations that she had done with her traveling ghost tour company, and mm. she brought her kid along, and her kid, who I think was nine at the time or whatever, maybe younger, was uh I believe sick. three. I listened to this story today. Yeah, so she was she was sick. So she was three and she was sick. So she went. The, the kid went to bed early and slept all night and all morning, I guess. And then when she went out to the kitchen the next day, the other people were like, "Oh, your daughter was having a blast this morning. We heard her running all running and laughing all up and down the hallways." She's like, "No, it wasn't my daughter. <laughs> there was no other child there." So the caretaker who works there was saying that's not a unique experience. They're saying she says people hear the little ghost girl running up and down the hall giggling all the time but the weird thing is is nobody knows what the origin is because there's no record of a little girl dying in that building and there aren't a lot of records of who it really could be so there's two possibilities that that we've got it boiled down to and number one is that weird situation in 2006 that i mentioned in the opening video there where the the stone had fallen and crushed the tomb of the Eisenbeis family. Mm, yep. And which we got to talk about at some point. I was planning on talking about it right now. Oh, well, you just want to, you just want to talk about it when you bring it up. Yeah. Do you want to do a teaser? You want to <laughs> set this up for later before we slide over there? Big shout out to lucky gypsy do donating another 1999 in super chat and welcome in Velcro fish sticks. I've always wanted to say welcome Velcro fish sticks. And now I get to, uh, mm, for becoming to a new enough. member, but Hey, 1999 from lucky gypsy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So the two haunted room before we move away from the hotel, the two haunted rooms, the main we ones were moving away from the hotel. You jackass. We're telling stories about it. Why don't you relax? The two main haunted rooms in this hotel are 306 and 302. And now 306 has the woman that that, that was Kate. And then 302 has the monk, right? Thanks, they, Jesse. The other... Can I fucking finish here? Can right, Dave so finish? Dave's in no, the it's fine. Just, he's, 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 I just wanted to touch on the two stories. Just wrap them up. Can we like have a little bit of flow here as a podcast? So the two things to wrap that up uh, inside those rooms, guests claim... Let me interrupt you because this isn't flowing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Your Sorry. Show. Go ahead. Take it no, away. Go ahead. No, no forget right. it. It's not important. Go on. <laughs> So this stone fell over and it crashed into the tomb. It opened the tomb. And when it did that, it also dislodged Elizabeth Eisenbeis's tomb, who was Charles's first wife. And during all this commotion, the family got word of this happening and they came out to investigate, I guess. And they found that there was the dislodged tomb of Elizabeth and there was the intact tomb of Charles, but there was an extra tomb of a child that no one knew who the child was, where the coffin came from, and still no one knows. So there's this mystery coffin of a child in this tomb that somehow made it there in between when it was when Charles was buried, and I think it was 1902, and it was sealed off, and 2006. So it's the strangest situation. The fact that they don't know where the child came from is is one thing, but they think that that might be tied to the haunting of the giggling child ghost at the castle. Are there any, I didn't see any theories that were you able to find any theories of who they think the child was? No. Well, no, I don't have any theories on who the child was. The only theory is that they believe that whoever it is, is haunting the castle. That's all I got. Such so, so weird. Like just imagine just finding this extra crypt and it's just this random child. Yeah. Corpse. I, I assume there would be more theories about it if they discovered it sooner. You're talking like a hundred years in between when the tomb was sealed and, and right. when it was busted up over a hundred years. So that might be why there's no theories because we're like, well, nobody alive now was alive back then. So who knows? So that, is that's the idea that they busted it open and put that coffin in there or was it to just accidentally get busted open and they're like, whoa, this is open. Whoa, there's a child coffin in here too. Yeah, it, it was busted open. I think I don't know whether it was from like an excavation project where the, the the top stone fell and cracked the actual tomb, or whether it was a storm or something that did it. But one way or another, the the tomb got cracked open, and they discovered this extra this this bonus coffin. <laughs> it's like bonus, buy a, yeah, buy a tomb, get a free child coffin. <laughs> I don't know, but that's one theory of the ghost. The other theory of the ghost is people believe that it could have been. Lotta Eisenbeis, who was the granddaughter of Charles Eisenbeis. She died at the age of 13 of a heart infection 
on March 20th, 1907 in a Seattle hospital, but she also had spent a lot of time in the castle. So although she didn't die in the castle, same idea could actually still be haunting it. A lot of Eisenbeiss is a weird name. Yeah, she, she really I'm missed the mark say. not opening up an ice company, right? Yeah. Lot, lots of ice from a lot of ice and ice. <laughs> <laughs> or, or she could have sold ice and bikes. Yeah, mm. ice and bikes. Lot of lot ice, of ice and, and bikes. Lot of ice and bikes, lots of ice and bikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. And she really missed out not getting ideas from us. She should have ordered a, opened a candy store. It could have been lots of Mike and Ike's. Lot, lot of, <laughs> I'm lot of, confused. A lot, lot of Mike and Ike's. <laughs> lots to process here at the moment. So 302 and 306. Like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> He's gonna finish it finally. <laughs> the lights flicker. That's all I wanted to say. Is the lights sometimes flicker? Nobody mentions the lights. Thanks, thanks, Jesse. Can I throw out a third theory? And this is gonna be boring because I've brought this one up before, but I think it's one that we forget from time to time. We brought it up with the Mineral Springs Hotel, where we have this unaccounted for ghost child, and we got to remember that hotels were like getaways in the past where people went for vacations and stuff like that. And who's to say it wasn't somebody that died later in life. And one of their fondest memories is going back to this hotel. So they come back as a spirit of them and they're as a child reliving some of those glory days. If it's some sort of residual haunting or something like that. True. Yeah, absolutely. Could be. Yeah. There's, I think there's a lot of possible options for what a, ghost could be or what a ghost could have come from if we're just talking about residual energy pop says maybe charles bought the tomb had a child nobody knew about the kid died and was placed in his tomb before he was buried there here's why i don't think that that is the case so charles when charles charles eisenbeis was the very first mayor of this town so when he was when he died and was buried that would have been a large event witnessed by many people seeing that tomb sealed up so people would have known at the time if there was a, a random kid coffin in there, it wouldn't have been able to be hidden. So what we do know is when he died, Elizabeth was already in somebody there. Would have, somebody would have heard him too if the kid was coughing in there. That's true. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then when he was put in there and it was sealed, someone would have noticed at the time. So the fact that all those things happened in the tomb. Definitely would have noticed if there was just a bunch of seals in the graveyard. I'm sorry. Definitely. <laughs> you know what was in the tomb? A lot of ice and ice. Just a little ice and ice in there. A little bit of ice and ice, a lot of seals outside. Kid a lot of ice and everyone can hear it. It's a lot going on there. So the other location that I decided to cover, well, there was the Rothschild house, which everything I wanted to say about that, I said in the opening video. So I'm not going to really repeat anything unless you guys had any thoughts on that particular location. No. Okay. No, I do have some ghost stories from the castle if we don't want to. Yeah, sure. If you want to keep circling back to rooms 302 and 306, <laughs> I got some more for you. Uh, so this one is uh, poorly written, and I will do, uh, do my best here. It says, uh, we stay we stay directly under 302. I'm guessing that's under. Uh, heard a loud thud each night around 2.30 to 3 a.m. The strong perfume smell would start being noticeable around nine and get stronger as the evening wore on. There were lots of unexplained walking in the hallways at night just to see that nobody was there. We enjoyed the fountain in the courtyard. Thanks. I don't know if they swam or drank from it, but they enjoyed the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> and now it just says the ghost we. Period. <laughs> This is the this is the delightful stuff you find on the internet. Oh, that's probably meant to say the ghosts were around, but I felt that they were just saying hi. But I do lots of ghost hunting activities and definitely had some scary or negative presences. These guys were creepy but harmless. This one says I stayed in room three hundred six. This room just had an eerie feeling. Besides that, the only thing we noticed was the cabinet door under the sink was wide open in the morning, and the cabinets latched pretty hard, so it had to have been opened with some force. I would definitely go back and stay. This next one says, this is for real. It says, the best experience I've ever had. Tons of evidence on my phone. I even have a picture of the monk in the window that Kate jumped out of. This place is legitimately haunted and spirits seem nice and are responsive. Greatest place I've ever been to. I'm a regular and they know me by name. The staff or the ghosts? Hopefully the ghosts. That's pretty cool. Mm. And then another one says, beautiful but scary. I've stayed here four times because I have a niece and teen son interested in the paranormal places in Washington. My niece and I stayed in room 306, which is reportedly haunted by a female. Upon our arrival, we were overwhelmed by the smell of old, strong perfume. So a lot of people reporting this. It says the activity continued with flickering lights, the TV turning off multiple times, not in the same time that the lights were flickering. And 
there was loud banging. My niece claimed that to see the apparition of a female while I was in the restroom. She refused to stay after that. It's a beautiful castle, just a bit haunted for me. It is quite amazing how, as people who go and collect or try to get evidence of the paranormal, as soon as you get some, you're like, fuck that, I'm out. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, so, it seems like some of these situations, some of the people that are doing that are like people that you kind of dragged along. You know, like your kids, and you're like, oh, we're going to go check out this haunted place. Like, oh, well, okay. And she said, said they were interested. They yeah. were interested in it until yeah. something interested happened. Does, interested doesn't always mean ready to experience it for yourself. But that was from uh, wahauntedhouses.com. That's the source there. Mm. Cool. Yeah, this, is a, this, this place is notoriously haunted. So lots of ghost stories there, particularly in those three rooms. Anyways, the other location that I covered is the Palace Hotel. And this place is uh, probably even more haunted than the castle. So there were the ghosts that uh, I had talked about earlier in the episode. There's also, there's a homeless man in the basement. Uh, it's haunted by a former housekeeper. There's the ghost of a little boy named Adam, who is thought to be the son of- Are you the just saying there's a homeless man in the basement or is it a ghost of a homeless The ghost, man? sorry. These are, these are the- Because <laughs> you can't just say there's a homeless man in the basement. Like it literally sounded like that's what you were saying was in there, not a ghost. No, I'm pretty sure I said aside from the ghost that I talked about in the uh, beginning of the episode, there's also the ghost of a homeless man in the basement. You did not say that. Even if I didn't say the ghost of a homeless man. Okay. I guess, I guess I could see why you would be confused, but I feel like most of our listeners were following along with uh, the fact that these are entities. So ghost of a homeless man in the basement, ghost of a former housekeeper, there is the ghost of a little boy named Adam, thought to be the son of one of the housekeepers or possibly one of the brothel women. Also, the ghost of Captain Tibbles, who built the hotel. The ghost of Father Patrick, who I mentioned in the episode. This was the guy who had the unfortunate job of giving the last rites to all of the babies that were born, stillborn from the sex workers that worked at the hotel when it was a brothel. His ghost haunts there, the woman in the blue dress, and then Catherine and Betty, who are two other brothel workers, also haunt this place. So this place is absolutely full of ghosts, and staff and visitors and guests um, have all sorts of paranormal experiences, which if we want to go over a couple of those, we can do that. We can, but we finally debunked why Rob's so angry, because this place used to be a brothel, and Rob has laid claim oh, yeah. to all of yeah, the what are you right? doing? <laughs> this is this is my niche. This is what I cover on this show. That's true. That's why Rob's so bitter. I'm sorry, Rob. I didn't mean to step on your ghost toes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, general activity is encounters with solid lifelike entities dressed in Victorian gowns. These are thought to be the ghosts of the women who worked in the brothel back during Prohibition. People not the homeless, not the homeless ghost. He could be. He could be wearing a big Victorian dress. <laughs> Why can't I be pretty? Just because I'm homeless. <laughs> so uh, sensations of being touched by unseen hands brushing past them as they walk down the hotel hallways and orbs that are not dust or insects have been captured on film and digital photography in several places. Why can't they be the ghosts of insects? Mm. Mm, ghost worms. Could be ghost worms. <laughs> We've had those before, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sort of. So on the second floor, the female spirit of, they say it's either Claire or Catherine. This one is the one that's known as the woman in the blue dress. You're finding a lot of ghosts named Kate in this episode. <laughs> you are. Are you trying to work through some issues at home right now? No, but there are literally three different Kate ghosts in this episode. <laughs> About to be four if I hear you cough one more time from the other room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would never. We do not condone domestic violence on this show. I love my wife. Anyways, um, this one's crazy. The one with the portrait, because this is a super unique haunting that I don't think I've heard anywhere else aside from like Harry Potter, <laughs> I think. But the the portrait where the ghost will or the where the actual painting of the woman will disappear from the portrait. And then you'll smell her perfume as if she was walking around. Kate says, I'm not coughing, which may be one of the other Kate ghosts. that are in my house. All of Dave's former wives were also named Kate. Yes. <laughs> so she'll vanish from the painting and then people will smell her perfume as she roams the halls. And then she'll be seen back in the painting again, which is a really weird, unique 
haunting that I don't think I've heard anywhere else in another location that we've covered. You guys? No, this is super interesting. Is anyone taking a photo? Like, I want to see it. Yeah, personally. I, I don't think there's be... any photographic evidence. That's that's what we need, right? We need to see the photo with the with the ghost missing, mm-hmm. and I'm all in. That would be pretty compelling evidence right there. If you could produce a photo of that picture without the actual uh, person in it, that would be pretty, pretty wild. But uh, so, yeah, that's her favorite room is room four. And she, quote unquote, has fun teasing the living at times. So in the hotel's ghost files, an instrument, an incident was reported and noted. Guests who were spending the night in room four were startled when the door suddenly bolted open. They didn't disappoint her with their reaction and gave the spirit some chuckles as they dashed down to the manager to report her behavior promptly. And other guests have reported dreaming of the lady in blue. People sleeping in room three or four are awakened by strange noises and have heard a cry or groan. Other guests have noted the aroma of perfume and still others have felt a cold draft from the hall. I think this is like the main ghost of the building. The second floor lobby, the entity of Captain Tibbles is supposed to be Captain Tibbles. Captain Cap- Tibbles. This is. This, I've got to say, this is the least intimidating captain name I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, imagine start, taking, taking orders from Captain Captain Tibbles. Tibbles. You can't. You just can't. Captain Tibbles orders you to come in here and tickle my toesies again. <laughs> it sounds like a cat. Give me some Tibble Tickles again. Did you feed Captain Tibbles? <laughs> I'm naming, if I get a cat, I'm naming him Captain Tibbles. 100%. You have to, you have to. Yeah. Oh, man. I have to put some cream on Captain Tibbles' nipples. <laughs> I won't do that again. <laughs> so- Formally resigned from this show after that we joke. Are broken. We are broken. Moving on. It's been a long month, folks. Captain Tibbles, described as a benign, happy male presence who likes to stay in this area. I wonder why. Where he can observe <laughs> all activity and recall his fond memories. Also on the second floor is the female entity in room nine. Yeah, I can't move past that. What are his fond memories? What are Captain Tibbles' fond <laughs> memories? <laughs> Somebody actually responded to one of his his orders one time. It's like somebody finally listened to me. That's his fond memory. Yeah, I had to nibble his ears. (laughs) Give him the Tibbles nibbles. Didn't like it. Tibbles nibbles sounds like cat food. There's another glorious idea from Hometown Ghost Stories for you. Love it. Mm -hmm. Mr. Captain Tibbles nibbles. (laughs) We're done. Moving on. Female entity in room nine, perhaps a former tenant or one of the girls. She makes a presence known at times, but no details are given in my sources. I bet some details are in the hotel's ghost files. This is all from hauntedhouses.com, which has a very in-depth breakdown of the ghosts of this particular house. The ghost files are, this is one of those locations that keeps a record of all of the haunted things that happen inside the place. And you see that actually a lot of, at a lot of places and it's useful. But what I like to do is when these places do have these kinds of things is if we're going to investigate this place, I would like to read those after the fact. So we're not looking for certain things. This is the problem with doing full research on the paranormal events that have happened in a place is I'd rather not really know where to look. I'd rather go find out for myself, but if it's a big, big location, then it'd be nice to have a heads up, I guess. So depending on the location. But that's what we've done. It. We've done it both ways. We were talking about the Oliver House on the Patreon pre-show tonight, and we went into the Oliver House relatively blind, and that was an interesting investigation because of that. So mm. I think uh, I think both ways can work, but I do like going into some of these houses blind as long as Captain McNibbles Tibbles isn't there lurking in the shadows, <laughs> recalling his most fond memories. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck out of here, Tibbles. <laughs> So on the third floor, room three, <laughs> there is a female presence, perhaps to be Mrs. Tibbles. Oh, no. And another Tibbles. There's no this way is, there was a Mrs. Tibbles. Captain McSlug's comment just makes me so uncomfortable. It just says, Captain Tibbles just wants to watch. <laughs> Rubbing his nipples in his pastimes with Eric. <laughs> I hate this conversation. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, 
So perhaps to be the ghost of Mrs. Tibble's former tenant or another one of the girls. She likes to stand near the stove as she has been seen and felt there. There's also the spirit of Betty, who's thought to be another one of the brothel girls. She spoke to some investigators once through a talking board and told them her name was Betty and that she was 39 years old. And the shadow of a person has been seen going down the hallway. Mm. So these are some of the ghosts that frequent this building. And this just seems to be, this has got to be the most haunted building in the entire town, just from the research that I've done. Which is funny because the castle is like the main haunted location that you'll find if you search Port Townsend. Everyone, everything will direct you to, to the Marisa Castle. Oh, it's a castle. So it's it just like you're gonna, you're just gonna get that allure because a haunted castle is just gonna stand out amongst a haunted hotel, right? Like yeah. So they're both hotels. The I understand, hotel, yeah. but the cat, but it's called a castle, so right. people are gonna be naturally drawn to that because it's a castle. Agreed. For sure. I mean, from the outside, it looks a hell of a lot cooler. But I will, I will say the the Palace Hotel looks amazing inside. What they've done mm -hmm. with it, and the we joke and we laugh, but the amount of ghosts that they have here, and what they've described, the hauntings that are here, are horrifying. And that number is absolutely staggering. Yeah, it really is. But these are the uh, these are the locations. Unless you guys had another one that you wanted to touch on that we didn't yet. Um, I can throw a couple out there if you'd like. Sure. Hit us with the, uh, I can give you, you a quick, this is from ghost quest, but the Fort Warden historical state park, uh, Fort Warden and Port Townsend was constructed in 1889 as part of Puget sounds, Harbor defenses. The old guardhouse building is said to be haunted by the ghost of a former soldier who committed suicide, who's allegedly allegedly still seen performing his guard duties even after death campers at fort warden historical state park also report hearing the sounds of disembodied voices and moans and witnessing mysterious glowing lights and orbs emanating from within the forts abandoned buildings late at night so this counts sounds kind of cool because there's that whole fort there but it looks like you can camp outside of it and people are noticing things happening in there um while they're camping so it'd be an interesting uh spot to go camping at there's also the old holly hill house bed and breakfast the old holly hill house bed and breakfast in port townsend was built in 1872 as a private residence it was purchased by uh, colonel robert cosby hill and his wife elizabeth in 1884 and remained in the hill family until 1980 the location is said to be haunted by the ghost of the late Robert and Elizabeth, as well as their son, William, who died of a stroke. And that's pretty much all that's there for that. So not a lot of info on the hauntings. It is a private residence, though. So don't go kicking in the door <laughs> like you're Captain Tibbles, thinking you're just have way of the land over in Port Townsend. Just busting in to pet the cats or whatever he does. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all got your snacks. <laughs> I'm here to pet your kitties and lick your ass cubes. It's been a weird night. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Man. Um, the Bishop Hotel's there. We didn't cover the Bishop Hotel, right? Correct. Uh, that was built in 1891. It's said to be haunted by the ghost of a man wearing a gray suit and hat whose apparition is often accompanied by the unexplained scent of tobacco smell. So maybe we'll dig into that further one day and try to find out the actual meaning behind that. There's a lot of hotels here that are haunted, by the way. And I will go with this uh, last one. Winwood's Gallery and Bead Studio. Interesting. <laughs> the James and Hastings Building, it's also called the James and Hastings Building, was constructed in 1889 as a hardware and clothing store. It is now home to Winwood Gallery and Bead Studio with space upstairs used as apartments or office space throughout the years. The historic building is said to be haunted by the ghost of a mysterious man whose identity and reasons for haunting location remain unknown. It's probably Captain Tibbles, and I don't want to know what he's doing with those beads, is all I'm going to say. Just making arts and crafts. Definitely. Um, we're sorry, Captain Tibbles, but you've now become <laughs> a part of the show, and I can't imagine you won't be brought up again in the future. Imagine getting your ass kicked. 
by uh, goddamn Tibbles. I thought I thought you were gonna say hey, something about imagine putting beads in your ass by a man named Captain Tibbles. Based no, on I just don't imagine that. What the, what the hell's on your mind, Rob? We get it. <laughs> we just read the story. We get it. The inflatable Captain. doll needs a little tape, but come on, let's, 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 let's dial it back a little bit. Huh? <laughs> oh boy. Well, that, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Is the haunted coastal town of Port Townsend. <laughs> do we want to get to some reviews? Let's yes. do it. Save us. All right. I have a fi- couple five-star reviews from iTunes. The first one is from Smiley. Uh, titled The Quick Favorite. I started listening a few weeks ago and was instantly hooked. I love the banter and the effort you guys put into your episodes. Keep up the great work, and hopefully I'll be a Patreon member soon. We hope to see you in the patron streets. This one is from... Skulls are maybe titled great show. And they let us know that they once went on a ghost tour in Savannah and they brought us to a haunted CVS. LOL. (laughs) I mean, it sounds silly, but we, we just were in Plymouth for 84 hours straight. And uh, I think they built the CVS on one of the old, where one of the old haunted buildings was as well. It was a CVS or Walgreens. So it does happen. Happened in Salem too, right? Or maybe that was the reference, right? Salem. Might have been. Yeah. Uh, This one's from Debbie DeBunker, titled Love the Podcast, but dot, 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 dot. We all know that ghosts are just weather balloons. (laughs) That's that's that five-star review, if you guys were wondering. Her her Uh, name is Debbie DeBunker, so she's got that figured out. She has already figured it out. And I have one more five-star review. That actually came to us on Patreon through a message because they listened to us on YouTube and wanted to give us a review. And this is from Marie. And she said, I found you guys by accident, and I'm so glad I did. Y'all have helped me out through 10-hour shifts at work. I work full-time, and I'm a mom to four kids, so I don't have any time to do paranormal research of my own. You guys are the perfect mixture of comedy and nonfiction. I would love for y'all to do some more stuff from South Carolina. I do have one problem, though. I haven't had to correct anyone on my name since elementary school. And the last listener ghost story episode, Jesse called me Mary. It's Marie. But it's all good. Just know (laughs) Rob's my favorite. You added that last part. Yeah, you made that up. I did not. I did not. Look at you. You're advertising the wrong show behind me. Wrong shows on behind me. Lying about it. I never said her name wrong. I knew it was Marie the whole time. Sorry about that. I'll. I'll get it right next time. Let's thank our patrons real quick for our VIPs. We have Allison V. We have Captain Kitty Tibbles. That was quick. We have Dakota G. We have Donnie N. We have Glitter Tease Cammy from Washington. We have Jeannie R. We have Jennifer P. Lisa J. Mike Oobly at Blake. We have Mom and Pops W. We have Nick. We have Robert H. Inspires Gaming. Those are our VIPs. For the Warren's Wards, we have Amby Rose, Kath Q. We have Chris Connolly, LBPS Founder, next HTGS guest. Next one, we have Dave's tiny bonus coffin is for Captain <laughs> Tibble. <laughs> <laughs> it's Dave. We didn't even explore that possibility. We, just <laughs> right, we have DC, Elizabeth Young, Eugene M. We have Geography is Hard. <laughs> That's for you, Dave. We have ge- geography is hard. We have Lily. We have I hate Rob. We have Jake V. We have Janice G. We have Mar. We have Papa Squatch. We have Rachel B. Sarah C. We have Siobhan, not Sharon. Steph A. Of the Church of the Stephanies. We have Stitch Kitten. We have Sydney B. We have taught Michael Myers how to drive while listening to ACDC and eating an apple. Love we it. have right. the other Rachel B. <laughs> Al Capone. We have Al Capone's allegedly poorly taxidermied wife. We have Alicia E. We have Anthony. Dave doesn't know where Tennessee actually is. T. We have Arcade <laughs> Hunters. Ashley M. Brandon W. Captain McSloves. We have Captain Tibbles hacked up a hairball on my bed. <laughs> we also have Captain Tibbles McNibbles, who just subscribed about four minutes ago. So thank you and welcome in. The ghost of Kate. We have Kobe. We have Crystal Quinn. We have Ghost Stories of the Paranormal Podcast. We have Hobbit Dave. <laughs> we have Huska. Huska. Huggy Bear. Joe R. Julie S. We have Kelly C. Carola J. Marie R. We have Mark Twain and the Haunted Grape. We have Mina H. Mariah M. We have Nancy Thompson is better than Laurie Strode. We have Paul from St. Louis. Pork. Pork. Sam from Nepal, Sharon V. We have Solar Flare, Soph, Hooper, the big spag nasty. We have Thick Boy, Freddy's allegedly hella low class, googly eyed homeless ghost. 
we have <laughs> Wade Christie, and we have Adam, who's still here for free. We don't know how you do it. Yeah, yeah what are you secrets. Doing? This man is on the list. Active member for free. Patreon must be giving away like a free trial or something. I'm guessing okay. they're giving away a free trial, so Patreon probably foots puts it and they don't yeah i don't know That's I right. no idea. you're on you're on the list so i'm saying your name adam you got to figure it out but hey thank you guys so much and once again thank you to everyone who donated today and became a member and gifted memberships demon king genie r below me in chicago stitch kitten jeff l with a 20 dollars super uh super sticker and super chat we have ambi rose that with a donation velcro fish sticks joining up lucky gypsy with the donation and blow me in chicago also with a five dollar donation thank you guys so much this has been a lot of fun this has been a wacky one it's gonna take some cleaning up <laughs> we're gonna get it out there for you folks thank you so much for joining i will be uh heading for london uh soon so i'm gonna be out there i'll be doing some live footage Don't out there back. gonna go on going on the uh i'm staying right next to Whitechapel, so we're gonna do the jack the ripper walk i'm sorry we're gonna do the Jack the Ripper walk and we're going to um so I'll be live streaming some of that if I can't live stream it because of internet then I will I'll film it and drop it at least on Patreon so excited for that gonna do some ghostly things and other stuff keep you posted on that from London and then uh Friday we are going to drop a cursed possession this is kind of a new format for cursed possessions I'm excited about it it will be uh haunted things for sale uh <laughs> and, and it tells me to work on the accent and yeah, what better place to do it? That's literally the only reason I'm going out there. And me and the wife's 10 year anniversary. But other than that, mostly to work on my accent. It's going to be exciting. So anything else, gentlemen? No, sir. Um, that's going to do it for me. Cool. All right, then we'll see you on Friday for a brand new uh, side content episode. Back on Tuesday with another live episode of Hometown Ghost Stories. Thank you guys for tuning in. See you next time. <laughs>